Welcome to the greatest discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the greatest generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, we are recording this on a day where a slew of Star Trek news has come out. Yeah. And this is the new Star Trek podcast that we do. So let's talk about it. Today, it's going to be the news Star Trek podcast, huh? I guess so. And it'll be old news by the time this comes out. But I feel like uh, maybe if there are people that listen that aren't extremely online types. Oh, God. I'm envious (laughs) of those people. Yeah. A day in which the Star Trek industrial complex has just come out and threatened us. Pretty much. (laughs) With what they're doing. I like it. A lot of people uh, sending thoughts and prayers our way on Twitter today. (laughs) Why don't those get sent to any other Star Trek podcasts? It feels like everyone else is perfectly capable of rising to a challenge of what will be a 25-week, 29-episode run of Star Trek that, once it begins, will not end. It's already begun, I guess. So for those of you keeping track at home, that means there will be multiple weeks of overlap. So we've got through February 3rd is Prodigy, then February 10th, Discovery starts back up. We get three weeks of Discovery, and then on March 3rd, we have Discovery and Picard running in parallel. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. (laughs) I don't, look, I don't understand why, if you're looking at filling an entire calendar year with great Star Trek, great new Star Trek, why you would ever want to overlap. Why overlap? You don't have to do that. We were talking before we heated up the microphones. Like, listen, (laughs) everybody knows that Adam and I are not smart enough to run a television network or a streaming service. And if we had to design Paramount Plus, we would do a worse job than the bad job that they did. Absolutely. But if you got 52 weeks a year and a finite amount of dollars to throw at producing Star Trek episodes, but... Like, they are approaching having about 52 episodes a year. Yeah. Why are they leaving some weeks where there's no new Star Trek episodes and having other weeks where there are multiple new Star Trek episodes? I don't understand it. (laughs) I really don't. (laughs) I really hope they keep sending us advanced screeners because this will be (laughs) non-possible. I mean, it'll it'll be possible. It'll just be possible bad. Very bad. Yeah. And that's not what we want. Yeah. Some other exciting news. Uh, Strange New Worlds, which launches May 5th alongside the last episode of Picard Season 2. That's going to run for 10 episodes, and they've already renewed that for a second season. See, that's a decision that I actually get. Like the idea of a finale followed by a premiere. Like this is something that network television has been doing for decades. Like yeah. launch the new show off of the back of the end of the season for a popular show. Yeah. But but the three episodes of Picard on top of Discovery. Wow. Yeah. All right. That's a lot. It seems unnecessary. Is your understanding that Picard has been conceived as a three season show and that that's all they plan on doing? It seems like there are a lot of reasons that would be true and th- and that they've shot concurrently these next two seasons would maybe be the best indicator of that yeah i've I, like i have seen that as received wisdom in comment sections on the internet i've never seen it from an official source so i could just yeah. be repeating a rumor that has taken hold in a certain part of the internet but right yeah it's a lot we're staring down the barrel of a ton of new trek How do you want to deal with having any kind of free time in the next year? (laughs) Like, let's just hash it out right now. Because this is a scenario where you and I could conceivably be unable to take time away for any length of time, right? Like, we certainly can't go somewhere without a fiber internet connection. 
which kind of reduces the possibilities. I don't think it's quite that extreme. I mean, listen, like, I think that we will probably be having multiple episodes of this show come out in those weeks where there are overlaps Mm -hmm. and we'll figure out a way to do that. And our great hope is that the folks at uh, CBS and Paramount continue to bless us with advanced screeners so that we can get out ahead of it and like have, have lives in addition to this. Yeah. It's a very Immerten Joe situation. Yeah. Here where, where we've become dependent on, (laughs) on the spigot from which the screeners flow. It will take hold of you and you will resent its absence. Yeah. If they rip that screener mask off of us, it's going to be ugly. Uh You're you're really going to want to cut away quickly. Yeah. No, but like we also just hired a full-time producer and, we had so many really great candidates that applied during our producer hiring thing. We have folks that we can tap for uh, additional editing through these uh, these periods. I'm I, I'm actually really optimistic about this. I think that we can focus on making the reviews, and Wendy and some of our other great producing partners can handle the edits, and it won't really be that huge of a of a lift. It's fun to make it dramatic but i am inclined to agree with you like we are now really built for this in a way that we've never been so i'm excited to watch a whole bunch of new star trek episodes and begin a new star trek series in may yeah and uh i think what could be better i'm i'm pumped man and honestly i've been really enjoying prodigy which has surprised me that I've enjoyed it so much. Do you want to get into today's episode? Yeah, sure do, Ben. We're still in the first third <laughs> of this first Prodigy season. It is We're uh, in the first like tenth of this season, yeah. right? <laughs> like the most new episodes of a single season of yeah. any Star Trek show or any show on television currently. Yeah, everyone's getting next seasons too. Like if that wasn't mentioned before, like it's an announcement of premiere dates and renewals across the board. So. Prodigy not going to end after its first season. Yeah. Today, we're going to talk about the eighth episode of that first season. It's Time Amok. Did you say those words in the right order, Adam? All I require from you is that you answer it. Yes or no. I heard myself say them very slowly, and then you said them far more quickly. (laughs) The episode opens on a hologram's log. And uh, Janeway is talking about having seen the crew sort of uh, sort of lose trust and lose team cohesion in the last episode. And so she is trying to uh, to do some team building exercises. Uh, where is Sherry Yenyeb when you need her? Good morning, Cerritos! It's a very diplomatic way to put it. My interpretation of Janeway's log here is this crew is a disaster and I've got to try some new methods. <laughs> My feeling though is that like the fox, the hen and the sack of grain is not really a team building exercise so much as just a riddle. You know, like she should be getting them to do trust falls and fucking rope courses and shit. So much time has got to be spent explaining what a wheat is. <laughs> to them like what you've missed like you're in media race here yeah when there's been like four hours of explanation about what why a hen prefers wheat it's like quadro (laughs) triticale but not as blue i think anyone looking at a hen and a fox would think that the hen presents more of a threat to the fox than the other way around right (laughs) i would think so with those talons yeah. What's the like actual rules of this riddle also? Because I don't feel like we get all of them. And I'm like, just take one and then go back and get the next and then go back and get the next, right? That's what I thought the answer was. But boy, uh, I am hearing the thunder of 50,000 mechanical keyboards <laughs> writing comments at us, Ben. <laughs> Hey, listen, you know, when we open uh, packages from listeners uh, in a Code 47 Marin over on The Greatest Generation, what we tell people is if something gross comes, we're going to make Bill consume it. (laughs) So don't send us anything gross. And the same goes for the tweets, you know? 
Yeah. Bill's the one that has to read this stuff. Consider that poor man. The answer is so obvious that I'm, I, I've got to believe that isn't the answer. <laughs> or we're just not understanding the rules or something. Yeah. But the results of this experiment are predictable. They don't get along enough to figure anything out. The animals escape from their arms. Yeah. It was nice to see these characters in the uh, environments of Breath of the Wild, though. Mm. Yeah, very soothing. Yeah. Nice. A lot of chaos, and uh, they basically have to shut the program because they've lost so badly, which has really got to burn Dell's toast, right? Like, he's such a... He's a hundred percenter or nothing when it comes to video games. I was blown away by this scene, Ben, because the results of this hollow experiment were predictable, but I did not expect this to be the thing. Like with how many times this crew has almost died. (laughs) This is the thing that inspires Dal to admit to hollow Janeway that they aren't Starfleet cadets and that they stole the ship. Yeah. We've had eight episodes of near misses. That were almost catastrophic. And yet the hen, the fox, and the wheat <laughs> is the thing that pushes him over the edge. It's uh, pretty alarming that that's what causes the truth to come out. But out it comes. And uh, Janeway is pretty shocked to hear that the protostar is stolen material, that these kids are not Starfleet. And they all kind of walk out of the room except for Zero. And then Zero's like, I'll give you a little bit more context. And then we cut away. And I was like, I really want to know yeah. what else Zero says to Janeway in that moment. Like, I know that a kid doesn't give a shit, but I really want to know. Exactly. I think Zero's got an interesting take on the whole thing. I, I need like an annotated Star Trek prodigy for grownups. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice if there were a version you could click over to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what Dreadnought's crank looks like. Interesting. <laughs> you can do anything behind the paywall. <laughs> we cut to the Diviner and Dreadnought, who are uh, they're creeping on a post that they made on the Quadrant's Next Door app about <laughs> this lost ship. And it's just like so much racist shit like give it a rest like i saw a ferengi walking down the sidewalk like yeah who cares that's not a threat to you yeah (laughs) but what they are having to do is wade through all of the fake people responding to their lost ship post right yeah lost ship yeah answers to protostar (laughs) slightly skittish so when Damon Nandi appears on screen, you you really like get the combination of all those things. Like, got another right. one of these. What are the chances? Yeah, and the diviner seems to have fielded a lot of calls from grifters uh, trying to extract reward money for bad information. Pretty ironic that a real life grifter is the one that gives him actionable intelligence. But uh, this kind of went to confirm my suspicion that Damon Nandi was not as as good at uh, manipulating people as some other Ferengi because she's like, I'm just going to send you the coordinates before like striking an actual deal. Like you kind of want to like see her do the over FaceTime equivalent of like, you know, having the envelope of money in one hand and the like thing and that he wants in the other hand and like exchange them in an instant. We haven't talked that much about this aspect to this show, but This is one of the worst lessons this show has ever taught a child. (laughs) Like, oh, you'd like to buy my bike? Cool. I'm going to leave it on the curb and you can just pay me whenever. Yeah, yeah. This is not good uh, due diligence on either party's part. Kids are looking up to you. Yeah. They get the coordinates up on screen and see that the protostar is super duper far away. So they're not going to be able to just go to there. But the Diviner has another idea for what can be done. And we cut to the vehicle replicator inside the uh, cargo bay of the Protostar and some hands appearing on the floor. Yeah, what do you think that is? It's fairly obvious, right? Yeah, it's pretty obvious. But we're not going to reveal it just yet. It's going to be a Batmobile with hands as wheels. (laughs) Yeah. It's just slapping its way around on its away team missions. (laughs) 
Whap it, whap it, whap it, whap Kids love singing that song on yeah. the playground, too. That song ain't even for kids. <laughs> on the uh, observation deck, Gwen is looking at a tachyon storm that they're just kind of haphazardly flying into. And she has a conversation with Jankum Pog about how this storm is more than just a metaphor for how he feels having uh, failed at the hologram simulation. Are you clear on where they're going and why they don't adjust course? I think they're just drifting aimlessly and she doesn't see there being any problem with losing gravity. (laughs) I didn't understand this at all. Yeah, yeah. Jankum immediately realizes that losing gravity will fuck up the proto drive on the ship so he races down to engineering and is like furiously wrenching on it when hologram janeway appears and this distraction is enough to cause a big purple pulse to uh fly out of the drive and we watch it like course through the ship like a a verdion field and uh pass through everybody's body vaporizing them instantly and uh ending this season of star trek prodigy yeah, and it a lot sooner than I thought it would. With the murder of all these children. RSVP. Yeah. Janeway is like scanning around the ship with Jangum Pog standing there, and she's like, You're the only living thing on this ship. What the fuck is going on? And then she realizes that the drive is about to go critical in ten minutes, but ten minutes happens really quickly. We cut to the wide chat and uh the explosion is is really sad. I like that we cut to the wide shot here. Like, when do you teach a child about the wide shot? I say as early as possible. Oh, yeah. After the explosion, we're back on the bridge with Hollow Janeway, and there is just one other person aboard again in a form of repetition from the last scene. But this time it's Rock Talk, whose mouth was unfortunately unaffected by the explosion we saw (laughs) earlier. Yeah, Rock Talk has been hiding under a a blankie and uh, they run out to talk to Janeway. Relieved that Janeway has found them here and what you come to realize is that Rock Talk has been alone for a really long time. Yeah, that's because time moves slower in Rock Talk's version of this story. Yeah. Thus giving Rock Talk more time to be sad. And Rock Talk needs both a confidence boost and an exposition dump. So Janeway starts to explain, yeah, like I was just with Jankum, who's uh, dead now, and time was moving really fast over there, but it's moving really slow here. And so what I need for you to do is fix the proto drive. And they go down there, and Rock Talk's like, I don't know what the fuck this is. I don't know anything about any of this shit. And gets, uh, gets pretty overwhelmed. You know? Yeah, I mean, this is a form of anxiety you see in kids who are given assignments that they don't feel like they're up for, right? Like, this is a form of anxiety I remember having as a kid. You probably didn't. You were a great student. But the I don't know if I can do this doubt. Oh, I had a fucking meltdown every every fall when I went back to yeah. school, man. <laughs> I think everybody goes through this. Yeah. And it's not just kids, you know? Like, we all get overwhelmed. This... This episode was so sad to me because of how Rock Talk just gets fucking the worst deal in this episode. Yeah, I mean, and especially when by the end you realize that Rock Talk didn't want the transformation that they endured like through this experience. It was just a a product of being forced to... This is like battlefield bravery that Rock Talk has made to, to go through in this episode. And it's hard to tell what is more affecting... The idea that Rock Talk doesn't know the jargon or the engineering or anything being assigned to her or that such a huge responsibility is placed at her feet, right? Right. It's the combination. Because like Hologram Janeway now knows that these are not Starfleet cadets, but presumably has been programmed to deal with people with that mindset, you know, like the... I know what I'm getting myself into mindset of somebody that would willingly join Starfleet. And that's not rock talk. I mean, even the very concept of the, the multiverse that we're getting here, like the explanation that the crew is on separate ships in separate timelines where obviously they'll have to work together to recombine everything. 
is a concept that Rock Talk barely understands. Too overwhelmed to really get it and basically too overwhelmed to even continue having the conversation. So she asked the computer to kick Hologram Janeway out. Get the fuck out! And uh, this propels Janeway into the next layer of this onion (laughs) where Zero is. And Zero is already like kind of ahead of the game. Zero has a plan to build a warp matrix that would be connected to the star drive and cause the time paradox to be fixed. But Zero can't type at a words per minute fast enough to <laughs> to accomplish their goals because like these claw hands are smushing down on these tiny keys. Yeah. And, and Zero is not able to make it happen in time. Zero has kind of like like regular human style fingers on one hand, but only four of them. And then on the other hand, it's more of like a like the kind of claw that you would see in like a junkyard, like picking shit up and throwing it into a, yeah. a shredder or something. Yeah. Looked very hard to type with that particular hand. Yeah, I think Zero's gotta gotta replace some parts here. Yeah. <laughs> this is a bad design, Zero. <laughs> you have a vehicle replicator at your disposal on this ship. Go ahead and use it. So Zero fails the the typing game, running its little track character right into the hurdle. And and the, <laughs> the plan B at this point is to give the plans that Zero has come up with to, like give that data to someone else on a different ship. Yeah. And Zero also has figured out the like, the way the mechanics of the time thing work and shows this sine wave where the closer you were to the drive when it when it blew up will determine how time is moving for you. So Zero is in a fast moving part of time. Rock Talk is in a very slow moving time, part of time. And Dal is in the next trough and will be in a slow moving part of time. It's Murph's world this time. Oh, it's Murph's, not Dal's. I said something wrong. You can abort your uh, your tweets to leave Bill alone. You know, I said something wrong. I'm correcting it now here in the episode. Don't send tweets to Bill. I mean, this is death. This is death that we've experienced three times now. Yeah. And it is strangely antiseptic every time. I think part of it is like we move through a, a Star Trek four style montage into another timeline which which makes it interesting which is sort of like the jangly keys of yeah of visuals but like people are dying yeah these kids are dying and it doesn't really hit won't someone think of the children yeah i love how janeway looks down at flatulent murph and is like fuck this (laughs) and then like moves to the next timeline yeah sentencing murph to death here i just want to say I think killing is wrong. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with 
their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit, plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality, and this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Dal is uh, in a more normal paced uh, part of time and is talked into building this this device. Uh, there's a little history lesson here. Janeway talks about the Apollo 13 mission and making life-saving inventions out of household materials. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, does that make this qualify as like educational programming? Like, why are they ringing this particular bell? I mean, I don't hate it. I mean, this one's just for the parents, right? Yeah, yeah, just... Just so dads can explain to their kids about a Tom Hanks movie they saw once. <laughs> you know, if there's one thing that's going to break the spell of a of a kid playing a video game, it's a, it's a recapitulation of the story of Apollo 13. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, Dal has kicked his uh, $1,000 a day suck disc habit. So yeah. it's a little easier to break him away from the, from the video games. Dal's pretty smart here. He's like, look, I can make this thing using the vehicle replicator, but when that doesn't work, plan B is to dig through the ship's parts bins yeah. to assemble the thing. Yeah, and he makes it. Uh, there's a close-up on a, a, a screw going in when he finishes the invention, and it's, a, it's not a Torx or a Phillips head. It's a Starfleet head screw. Yeah, I love that quite a bit. That looks pretty difficult to strip. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it would actually be a nice stable... Screw alignment method. You'd probably want to make a deck out of a fastener like that. Yeah, yeah. Just make sure you get a non-corroding style of fastener, right? Yeah. You're going to want to put down a membrane. (laughs) (laughs) Underneath your engineered boards. So he heads up to engineering with this thing and is trying to plug it in. And uh, You think we're going to be buying screws at a Star Trek convention at some point? Like, oh, yeah. how could you not sell the bit and <laughs> and five of those headed screws and like a gift box that you'd sell collector coins in? Right, right. That shit sells itself. Yeah. Maybe we should, uh, I, I mean, the Starfleet people have uh, traditionally ignored our overtures at the idea of retaining a license to to make products in the past, but... Maybe this is the one that'll get them to hear us out. You and I can't get a, a mug made in, in six months' time. Imagine we can't even get an unlicensed coffee mug. Yeah. Imagine the difficulty in, in making like real tooling. <laughs> I like our chances. Yeah. Speaking of not being able to get things done, 
Dal sits down at the primed to explode star drive and is trying to plug this thing in and he doesn't have the right dongle to adapt his invention to the uh to the drive and uh really he's, he really beats himself up when he fails this is maybe the most affecting death scene of all of the ones we've gotten so far because hollow janeway holds his hand yeah the show really wants us to care about dal but i think he's an asshole and it's like weird the way the shock wave works is is that it hits Dal first and uh, blows his brains all over Janeway's face and cake. Ain't nothing but a McGee thing. <laughs> Jesus. I'm I'm laughing a lot watching McGruber on uh, Where is, I didn't it's even on, know there was... It's on the Peacock. It's 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 on the Peacock. App. When did this happen? How did I not how how have they not advertised this to me? Spread the word. You freaking turds. Do they not have a marketing budget for MacGruber? Like, I am a famously a big fan of MacGruber. Will Forte's hosting SNL this weekend. Like, it's it's a thing. Who watches SNL? People should be watching it. People are watching it. Name one person. Me. Me and all of my friends. <laughs> You're the one. Yeah. Anyway, it's hilarious. And not to give anything away... But there is a flashback scene where MacGruber experiences the murder of his mother, who Mm. is shot in the face. (laughs) (laughs) This is a legit trigger warning for everyone out there. It is the most violent television show I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) It is incredibly gory. And MacGruber, in retelling the story to everyone around him, which he does multiple times... Always described it as his mother's brains being blown out all over his face and cake because it happens during a birthday that he's having. Happy birthday to me. (laughs) It kills me every time. In the next time period, uh, we see the vehicle replicator hard at work and we see Gwyn looking all over the ship for this part that Dal didn't have to connect the warp matrix and uh she is uh she's doing her best but she's pretty cheesed off about the whole situation and dreadnought gets completed and uh, we get to get a good look at this version of dreadnought which looks like the purple stripe tricorder version of dreadnought Ooh, those are nice yeah he kind of looks like he's got a few uh extra vertebrae you know yeah yeah like he's a little bit of a uh what's a breed of long dog what am i thinking of uh, like a dachshund yeah he's like <laughs> he's like dachshund the robot <laughs> they see that he's coming up to the bridge on the security cameras and uh gwen hides janeway confronts and uh janeway uh has has seen this security camera footage of dreadnought before so she is under the impression that maybe dreadnought is the one that stole the parts of her memory that they were looking for earlier mm-hmm. this scene sort of implies that that is not entirely true but uh, we don't get much more detail on that dreadnought's so casual here in like dismissing hollow janeway's accusations about him acting so messed up towards her like, yeah. he's typing at a computer and sort of verbally swatting her away before finally using Chakotay's voice to erase the program. Yeah, this scene is tough uh, because he he erases Janeway and is also beating the fuck out of Gwyn right. in a way that, like, I mean, you said MacGruber was violent. This is fucking violent, man. Yeah, pretty rough. It's rough. Like, she's really fucked up and, like, at a certain point, he's like beaten her so much that she's like limping around and like following him and trying to like talk him out of turning on the star drive because it's about to go critical. Why doesn't she use her amulet as a weapon? She was. She she was wielding it. I don't know. I think you got to do better with that thing. I mean, he's made out of metal. Yeah, and robots are strong. I don't even know why the scientists make them. Yeah. They eat the children's vitamins on the ship for fuel. <laughs> He goes like, oh, Flintstones, nice. (laughs) He finds the the part that she has been looking for, the adapter dongle, uh, really easily. And then just like on his way out of the room, just stomps her already shattered ego. You are his greatest mistake. You get a nice door slam here. Yeah. To emphasize the point. 
but uh, he probably should have left that door open because it makes it a lot easier for her to alien queen him by evacuating all the air and engineering. Yeah. This works great. It's wild. Like Murph is still in there and, and Dreadnought tears Murph in half and throws both parts of his body to opposite sides of the cargo bay. Yeah. Oh, no. He gets ejected into space and uh, also the... Warp Matrix gets ejected into space. She didn't get the door closed quick enough, so... Oops. All is lost, Adam. Yeah. I wondered if the ennui of this final captain's log from Gwyn, like, would a kid really, like, get what she's doing when she sits down and does this captain's log before it cuts to commercial? I mean, this is going to be a big part of what I want to talk about at the end of the episode, but, like, how much of this could a kid really get? Yeah. This is the most sophisticated storytelling episode that we've gotten so far of this children's show. And yeah. I mean, I would say ennui is easier to grasp than just the story beats as they are. Yeah. Well, ennui might also just be not strong enough a term for the remaining storyline with Rock Talk. We cut back to Rock Talk's timeline and... This shit is fucking devastating, man. Yeah. So sad. It is so rough. Just like the depths of sadness that Rock Talk is experiencing alone, like wishing goodnight to the empty beds of the other characters and like watching recordings of the holodeck training program with the fucking fox and the hen. So sad. It is... I, I don't think I don't think if I was a kid I would be able to get through this. I would just be like a heap of tears. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer like of the variety of emotions you could express here. Like it's interesting that none of them are fear. Yeah. Like there is plenty to be afraid of in this moment, but the show chooses sadness. Sadness and loneliness. Yeah. And those are really heavy feelings for kids. Yeah. So Rock Talk eventually gets this captain's log from Gwyn, which includes the schematic for the warp matrix. And Rock Talk doesn't feel up to this challenge. There is a cut to the wide shot that is just a cut to the wide shot of despair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it uh, it's a re-emphasis on the thing that made Rock Talk so upset from before. Like Rock Talk did not want to participate in this. Did not feel up to the challenge. Yeah, and so for Gwyn to be on the screen asking again, like, little kids do not respond to the second time yeah, at all. But Rock Tuck is able, after this, to reactivate Hologram Janeway. Uh, we're made to see through some hash marks on the window that this has taken a lot of stabs before she was reactivated. But Janeway reappears and Rock Talk has also built the warp matrix that Dal invented, but didn't know what to plug it into. Got the schematic, was not told, then plug tab A into slot B. It's interesting, like we are, we're told that Rock Talk's universe moves slower than the rest. But until I saw the hash marks on the window, I never really knew how much slower. And then in the end, when Rock Talk's like, I, I took all of these online courses and learned how to do all of right. this stuff, like it is not just slow enough to watch a wrench floating in space if you were to throw it. It is like a lot slower. Did Rock Talk have like a experience comparable to Miles O'Brien in prison? I've been alone for so long. Or Captain <laughs> Picard in the fucking... <laughs> yeah. Inner light asteroid. Yeah, Rock Talk got inner lighted for sure. Fuck. <laughs> Never gonna be the same. Yeah. Gwyn like pulls Janeway aside at, at the end of this episode and is like, How long was was that going on? And Janeway was like, A fucking super long time. It's really fucked up. But lucky for you, it will feel like an eternity. But when uh, when they're all reunited after the successful reconnection of the proto drive it's hugs all around it's a real uh joyful reunion they all hug rock talk and that's when rock talk's voice like is adult deep and it's like <laughs> i've been on my time for 40 years <laughs> i took 40 years of online classes to build that thing 
I'm now an adult. I wish I could hug you. They're like, Rock Talk, what was that time anomaly? That's what we're trying to figure <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, like, God, there's so much in this scene. It feels like it should be like that scene in Interstellar where they go back up to the capsule and the guy's been up there for decades waiting because of the differences yeah. in how time works. <laughs> Rock Talk has a long beard with gray hair in it. <laughs> yeah, like the suggestion of that is here in terms of how much Rock Talk learned, but Rock Talk doesn't appear to age in yeah. in that same way. Yeah, yeah. The, something is said about you didn't age, but you've matured. So yeah. I guess I don't know what that means. but Still has those baby teeth, though. Yeah. Janeway is like, my evil plan to force teamwork on these people finally worked. <laughs> I think Janeway was behind flying them through that tachyon field is what I'm saying. Right. It was time to stir things up. The only thing that was preventing them from becoming the crew they always had the potential to be was Rock Talk becoming smart. Yeah. That was it, huh? Yeah. That was it. What are we going to do about Murph? Is Murph ever going to be smart? I mean, Murph is cannon fodder. You want you want at least one dumb to throw it. Uh, That's not right. That's true. The button on the episode is a shot of sort of a busted up dreadnought head and a couple of parts like reactivating on the floor of somewhere. And I wondered if this was on the Protostar or somewhere else. Like, did another ship pick up the dreadnought robot, or did, when the time periods collapsed, was it like brought back to the protostar or what yeah i mean i definitely interpreted this as dreadnought on their ship but the version of this dreadnought seems to be in in some pieces unlike yeah. the the fully assembled model we got on one of the timelines so yeah exactly maybe there's some sort of damage to dreadnought that happened during the recombination oh was maybe it was like not fully built in the rock talk timeline so when they collapsed like the replicator turned off so just like parts of <laughs> parts of the replication had been completed but not all you know like with how often the diviner shits in dreadnock's mouth all the time like yeah. do you think there's an opportunity for them to turn dreadnock as the 40 episodes of this season play out yeah dreadnock's like i am also 7 years old <laughs> i would like to join <laughs> What is the deal with the diviner constantly making under 10-year-old children to serve him? Sort of creepy, if you ask me. Why don't we do a mission where we go back and poke a hole in that tank he hangs out in? Why does he call his ship the Lolita Express? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, did you like this episode of Star Trek Prodigy, Adam? I mean, I did, but I think it's because I'm an adult. I like this series and I like what it's trying to do, but I don't think it's ever taken a bigger swing at impressing upon its viewership with what it's trying to do here. And I don't know how you fix it. You don't do it by making the episode longer. Mm. You don't do it by pulling one of the one of the strings. Like you need its A and its B story going. Like I don't think you remove one of the stories. I don't know. I... This is one of those episodes where I feel very more insufficient than I usually do at reviewing a show that is, it's, it's meant for us because we're Star Trek fans, but it's also not right. meant for us because it's meant for kids. So as an adult, like circling back to it, yeah, it worked for me, but is that what it's supposed to be doing here? I don't know. What about you, Ben? Yeah. I like, I, I'm definitely, you know, as a non-parent, I am probably ill-equipped to like speculate on these things i do think that there is more value in kids media that like does explore big feelings like this mm -hmm. and that is unafraid to uh you know like what i will say to this show's credit is i don't think it talks down to kids at all no it is not pulling the techno jargon back it is not pulling the feelings back and this episode was really heavy and it it, it is hard for me to imagine being a little kid and getting through this and not just being kind of a heap afterwards. <laughs> but it does have a happy ending and it feels like it's got some pretty authentic explorations of those kinds of emotions for kids. And coming from it, uh, an adult perspective, I really enjoyed it on that level as well. So 
I continue to be surprised at how impressive this show is. And I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't, maybe I wish one of us had like an eight year old that we could like be watching this with and reporting back on. But uh, no, I'm good without that. (laughs) Aren't you surprised at the effect that the runtime has on nuance when you compare this show to Discovery? Like, I would expect with a longer runtime, you're afforded a greater amount of nuance in depicting the feelings you're trying to portray on a show. And yet over and over again in Prodigy, we're given so little time to demonstrate big, big feelings. And so often those feelings are seen in Prodigy as non-verbally expressed, like through their behaviors or even the behaviors they're not demonstrating on this show. And how much more effective it is to feel those things in this way than character A describing their feelings to character B. I will never find another like you. Who is describing those same feelings back. I don't think I will. In a scene (laughs) of five minutes of dialogue where where they trade their grief back and forth. Like it's show and not tell comparisons being made here. Sure. In a way that that I'm frankly surprised by at at how effective the show is at that and how much more effective it is than in a show geared towards adults on the very same station. Perhaps you simply have a penchant for the dramatic. Okay. Well, I don't have anything more to say about this episode, do you? Now that's it, I'm done. You want to check in on those P1s? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Ben, our first priority one message is from David. It's to Ben and Adam, and the message goes like this. Hey, this is David. I got nothing to say. (laughs) Is David's last name, or is... Oh, uh... yeah. You know, normally we get a pronunciation key, and Mm. uh, David did not include one, so I just took my best swing at that pronunciation if david was a spy he would walk up to the bar and introduce himself to another spy by saying david (laughs) yeah i like uh i like last names that are onomatopoeia yeah big fun it's good adam our next p1 here is from robs 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 and it's to adam ben card daddy and wendy goes like this as i sit here reading my socially distant six-month review at my new job i can't help but think back at my time at uxbridge shimoda it was good (laughs) there were three ellipses there so i was giving a, a little pause for dramatic effect i guess uh congrats on finding a producer slash joining the team what am I up to lately? Thanks for asking. I'm making Garbage Fire 3, 4, and 5 so I can get out of my contract. Love you and all FOD. Wow, a, a cry for help from Rob's, 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 it looks like. Is he trying to get out of his contract with us by making Garbage Fire yeah. 3, 4, and 5? Who knows when this P1 was made and submitted? Yeah, or is he trying to get out of his co- uh, contract with Team Coco, where he works now? Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, uh, the Conan O'Brien contract is ironclad. So yeah, yeah, I think you're stuck there forever, Robs. Sorry, Robs. You made your choices. You have chosen wisely. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for uh, getting a P1, Robs and David. But uh, really nice to hear from Robs, 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 Robs. Yeah, I mean. In spite of what we're reading here in this message, it sounds like by all accounts, uh, Rob's is thriving, and we're we're yeah. happy for that. Um, please don't leave, Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, if you'd like to get a P1, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and set it up. It's uh, 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. We really appreciate it. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself an Edward Larkin? Edward Larkin. I mean, <laughs> could I have found any more Edward of a Larkin? What is Jenkum Pog doing, literally wrenching on a starship at all times? <laughs> 
like every time I see him working a wrench, like, and not just a wrench, like a giant plumbing wrench. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like a cast iron spanner. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of doubt his experience as a starship engineer. And uh, I mean, as the engineer, I would have expected him to be the person most able to solve this problem, but he gets given pretty much the first crack at it and dies first in the order of things. (laughs) RSVP Pog. Yeah. I mean, love the character. I definitely ride for Jenkin Pog, but um, (laughs) yeah. Just not quite putting it together this episode in a way that you would expect your chief engineer to. So Mm. maybe he's my Edward Larkin for that reason. My Edward Larkin is going for not including a message about what to plug the warp matrix into in her message to Rock Talk. But also kind of Rock Talk because Rock Talk knew that the star drive was a, was the problem. Like the first thing Hologram Janeway did was take Rock Talk down to the star drive and say, this is the problem in the episode. Yeah. And then Rock Talk was like alone for a decade doing all this stuff, learning all this math and didn't ever think, hey, maybe I should go see if there's any like dangling plugs near the star drive that this would fit into. You know what was a low key, the saddest frame of this entire episode was the stack of food trays that all had the remnants of that same disgusting food that Rock Talk preferred because that's what she got used to. Like that's a callback inside the series, but also like, such a gut punch. So fucking sad. Because that moment in and of itself was sad. And this is like a stack of those sad trays. It's a sad stack. Yeah. Bummer. Fuck. I mean, I still want them to fix Rock Talk's mouth. Like, I'm not... <laughs> like, fixes have to be made here. But I, I do feel... Uh, I do feel empathy for the Rock Talk character, for sure. Yeah. Pretty tough. Well, Adam, next week on the show, we will have uh, Strategy Season 1, Episode 9. Sure will. And uh, to tell us both about what is going to be in store for us next week is our great producer, Wendy Pretty. The next episode of Star Trek Prodigy is called A Moral Star, Part 1. The crew forego their dreams of Starfleet to return to Tars Lamora in a no-win scenario. The Greatest Discovery is an expert Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, produced and edited by Wendy Pretty. Our music is by Adam Ragusia. Head on over to YouTube and get subscribed to his cooking channel. On Instagram and Twitter, we're at Greatest Trek, and those accounts are managed by Bill Tilly. If you want to talk about the show online, use the hashtag greatest discovery. And if you enjoy the show, recommend it to a friend. That's a great way to help us grow. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more of the greatest discovery. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.